0: good morning good afternoon good evening wherever you're at whatever you're doing this is the rooted wife podcast and today you guys we are going to get into it so I am just going to start off um, I guess with a trigger warning Um, if you guys have listened to previous podcasts you know that I can get pretty deep into some heavy topics. So this is just your trigger warning today. We are going to be talking about more in-depthly um, my personal experience and journey through abortion. Now, if you've checked out my other podcast, because I did post one and it was called Societal Ideology Surrounding Abortion and How They Affect Women... Um, that one is kind of more on like a world view. I do talk about my story in there, but I don't really go into depth about, um, the, the actual experience itself, um, and just what that was like for me on a soul level, um, a healing level, all of it. So this is kind of going to be a heavy one, but it's going to be refreshing and um uplifting in the end. All right? So bear with me. And um <clears throat> you know, if this episode, this topic is a little bit too much for you, bow out. That's totally fine. Um go to my podcast and check out some of my other videos. Um but yeah, that is totally fine if you are not in the place to be listening about stuff like this abortion, okay? So, um, I had an abortion, I believe I was 19 years old and, um, it was actually with Sean, the man I'm currently married to, um, and currently have two little boys with going on a third baby that is going to be due in February. So, um, we had an abortion when i was yeah i'm pretty sure it was like 19 years old um after 25 you just like stop remembering the ages that you were i feel like but um so and at the time um we were very unhealthy like just mentally spiritually physically um we were partying we were drinking drinkers like um smoking just not taking care of ourselves just really in the world YOLOing um being young making a lot of money and blowing that money <laughs> and um we also lived with my parents at the time uh my brother also lived there and I'm not too sure if his girlfriend at that time lived with us as well so it was like a full house um and not really, like, the best, healthiest dynamics, if I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. Um, ooh. There was just so many relationships under one roof and just, like, interdynamics and, you know, just a lot of healing that still had yet to be done at the time. And, like, especially with... Mine and my mom's relationship. Like, I can honestly say now and like look back that where we're at now is like totally a completely different type of health than it was then. Um, but, anyways, so we were all living together. It was like a townhouse. I was, you know, and then in terms of mine and Sean's relationship, um, we were extremely juvenile and I had a lot of like trauma that I didn't realize that I had not yet worked through. From just childhood, teenager, I was like still kind of in this spiraling, depressive, a lot of crap happened (laughs) in my childhood. And, um, I just was still trying to figure out how to cope with everything clearly in the very wrong ways, but, um, yeah, so we didn't really, and Sean, like, I'm not going to go too much into his story because that's for him to share, but just as his partner and how he was at the time, um, he was very like of the world kind of guy, you know what I mean, like, um, I don't think very relationship aware or emotionally intelligent and in depth at that time, um, because he was young, right, like, he was in his 20s, too, so, anyways, he was working up in Fort McMurray, and so he was gone 21 days at a time and he'd be home for a week and I was in college and I was in school taking my Bachelor of Business and um, yeah, so I were just like driving in the car one day and I got overwhelmingly nauseous and I was like thinking in my head like oh my gosh maybe I'm pregnant, no I kind of like pushed it off And then I like kept getting sick. (laughs) And so I finally, Sean went away to work and I was at home and I made a doctor's appointment and they did a urine test. And I remember it so vividly, the doctor coming in and saying, congratulations, you're pregnant. And I just went into this like... What? Like this this out of body kind of alternate <laughs> world of just Oh my gosh. You know Did I hear what I just heard? Am I actually pregnant? Like there's an actual baby in inside. Like it just the first time hearing words like that of course is like very strong of emotions right like either it's going to be positive negative maybe in the middle whatever but emotions are going to come and I was alone too and I felt like I had no one to tell because I didn't really (laughs) and um, I went sat in the car I didn't end up going back to class that morning because I made an appointment in the morning and I was just going to go back to work or go back to school Um, but then I texted or called Sean and told him and my immediate thing was like I can't do this that was like my immediate kind of like go-to gut or like sense that I had was like I cannot bring a baby into this situation um Like, I'm nowhere near in the mental state or anything. Like, Sean, our relationship, this was not how it was supposed to go. Like, um, just, like, kind of panic mode, right? Fear, like, instantly started creeping in. Um, You're thinking about everything. Um, And so I told him, and he was just like, okay, well, you know, what do you want to do kind of thing? And... I said I wanted to have an abortion and he never really like I really try to look back and try to remember and I at the time I feel like I don't think he really tried to stop it I think he was just kind of like trying to be supportive of me and like whatever choice I made I don't really think at the time he felt like he had a choice Um, and of course, why would he like society basically tells men that they have no say, no right over the child they created. Um, so I think there's kind of like a societal disconnect that men have in general and have been taught to have in general over abortion and why, unfortunately, um, even if they feel like we shouldn't be doing it, um, they have no place to say it and um so anyways back on track um that's what i decided i was like how am i going to get this done because there was no place in my area at the time that was offering abortions i lived in too small of an area so i had to drive to calgary so i searched up a place in calgary um, and i was like how am i going to get there because i didn't have a car and I was using my parents' vehicle at the time, going to and from college, um, and I didn't have a car. And I was like, how am I going to get there without my parents knowing? And without like, anybody finding out, because if I take a bus, I'm going to have to, like, it's going to take two and a half to three hours, I get there, you know, taxi or whatever to this place. I don't know if I, at, like, what State I'm gonna be in when I leave. Um, and I'm pretty sure you have to be, you'd have someone with you, anyways. I can't re- really remember if you needed to have a driver, but anyway. Um, I did have this one friend, Amber, in college that um, I knew could probably help me out. I, I had another girlfriend, Stacy, she was like my best, best friend. Um, But she had also had her own experience at one time and, um, she was a mom and I didn't want to like involve her in that whole situation. And so I asked my girlfriend Amber if she could drive me and she was like, yeah, for sure. Of course I would. So I made the appointment and at the time I was probably about six or seven weeks, I think. And um, we drove up there and like even the whole drive, like everything was just I was just I felt like my soul wasn't in my body or like I was just going through the motions like my body was just moving, but I wasn't there. And um, we get to the building, you have to like buzz in. So I buzz in. She's like, I'll just wait for you um, until you're done. So I go in there. I sit down. I'm looking around. And it's just dead silence. And um, my heart is pounding. I'm just thinking of everything. Like, I'm, I'm fear. Like, I'm thinking of, like, the decision. I'm thinking you can leave. You can stay. Like, it's just every possible thought that you could have I felt like I was having and um my name was finally called you have to go back and you talk with a counselor or a therapist for like 10 to 15 minutes and they do like an evaluation on you to just kind of see if it's the right fit for you I guess to have an abortion um And so she was just asking me about my situation. Um, And as I was telling her my situation, I almost was like talking myself out of the decision because I was saying like, no, I am with the dad. Like we've been in a relationship for how long? And it's just like we're unhealthy people. The environment that we're in is kind of unhealthy, Um I'm just scared. Like it was like I just told her like I was just had overwhelming fear um about just all of it, right? Like it be being a mom and um being pregnant and my situation that I was living in. And um she said, you know, okay, well you sound like, you know, <laughs> Um, you're making the right decision for you and that was it. Like it was like maybe five to 10 minutes and I was just kind of like, okay, like it's the right fit, I guess, you know, like my situation warrants, I guess, kind of having an abortion. Like, you know what I mean? Your mind is just, I I can't even describe it. And those of you who have gone through the experience can probably relate Um, but then you go back, um, you change into a garment, you put your clothes in a little locker and then you sit in a room with all these other women, um, waiting for them to go and do an ultrasound and then perform the procedure. And, um, I was just sitting there, and everyone was so silent. You could clearly tell everyone was deep in thought in their lives, in their situations that were going on, because we are all making one of the largest decisions of our lives that we will live with for the rest of our lives. Um, various different backgrounds, ethnics, societal, like class, races, all of it um, were in that room and uh i remember there was a woman she just she got up and she started crying and she's like i can't do this and um one of the nurses came and grabbed her and just kind of like helped her and she grabbed her stuff and she left and at that moment i was kind of like i should leave too and then i was called in and i got up and i followed the woman into the back i laid on the bed um They did the ultrasound and I went to look at the monitor because in my mind, I wanted to see the baby. I wanted to um, see what that was. You know what I mean? Like when you hear you're pregnant, this is the first ultrasound you're ever having in your life. Um, You know you're pregnant, but you know that you're going to a place for an abortion It's just really real it was kind of like i wanted to see um, it's like having a last picture or something of someone who's going to pass away which is really kind of so messed up but it's anyways um, and i went to go look at the monitor and she quickly turned the screen away and she says no you don't need to see this and i was kind of like but i could hear the heartbeat too which just really threw me, threw me. Like, I it started crying. Everything just started being a blur. Um, they did what they did, and I was just, like, in this, like, my body was shaking. I started shaking, obviously. Um, and then you go into, like, this recovery room, and I was just, tears were just flowing from my face. I just knew that I just felt really instantly broken, um, empty. And I instantly was just like, um, no, no, like I can't believe I just did that, you know? Um, and I'm just crying and there was a Another girl already in the recovery room, and she was sitting beside me. And uh, she seen that I was crying, and she reached over her hand and to hold mine. And I just looked at her, and she was crying too. And she just said, uh, "We're gonna be okay." <sighs> and. Um, They gave us a juice box, a cookie. I imagine for our blood sugar after a procedure like that. Um, they said that, you know, there might be some aftercare for like a week, um, but you're good to go. And um, I just walked out got in the car with my friend and we didn't even really talk I just it was there was such an unbelievable deafening silence like I wasn't even in my body um and I just yeah I truly I felt empty it's it's one thing to like feel and know that there's a life inside of your body um And then the next minute there isn't. And it's because of you. And so that was really um, a defining and pivotal moment of my life because I was already battling with so much stuff. And that I truly feel I could have either changed my life actually for the better sooner if I had followed through on having the baby Um, because I my life didn't get better after and it didn't get easier after the abortion if anything um, I completely spiraled into such a darkness like such a darkness and an unbelievable hate for myself. I I like dove headfirst into drinking every single day. Um, I just didn't care about anything really. I didn't care about myself. I didn't care about living. Um, you know, like I just became very, very surface level because. I couldn't go deeper than the surface because it was unbearable. Um, And I never believed that I could even forgive myself anyway. Like, it's when you do the unthinkable. It's just, especially coming from my belief system. Like, I've always talked to God my whole life. I dreamed about being a mother as a child, so many childhood turmoils that I went through, I got through because I would think you were going through all of this so that one day your children don't have to. And that's that thought is what got me through a lot of different things. So to have come to that state of having a baby inside of me and then making the choice to kill my own baby. It it uh it just freaking you guys. It was uh not good. It didn't improve. Our my relationship did not improve with Sean. It got worse. I was resentful. Um I even intimacy for me. I couldn't be intimate. It was my brain, everything. I I felt like I was ruined for the rest of my life. I felt like um, I didn't want to be touched. I felt like I didn't deserve to be touched or to be loved after um, what I did. And it was just really, really bad until I... You know, God, the Holy Spirit, God just kept talking to me. And um, people kept praying over me. I know that for a fact. And um, I mean, it was years, guys like seven years. Majority of my 20s was trying to forgive myself and overcome and even realize that I needed to forgive myself for that. Um, but I prayed. I never stopped praying because I never, I felt dead, but I didn't want to die. Like, I don't know if you understand what I mean when I say that. Um, But I, I prayed and you know, the thing that I've realized about prayer is that, um, prayer is the act of the Holy Spirit becoming tangible, you know, um, it is theology essentially in the flesh when you think about prayer and scripture and it's power and our power, um, that we can get through the grace of God and through Christ. Because at this point in time, I was like, you're going to hell, you know, you're going to hell. This is it. And, um, or, like you just deserve it at this point, um, but I started praying, and honestly, God started showing me that i I wasn't a bad person, you know, I wasn't as terrible as my mind, and my choices had made me believe about myself, and Scripture started rewriting my identity it really did it started rewriting my identity and um, prayer is truly our power and it's our weapon against spiritual warfare and spiritual warfare is the condemnation that we put on ourselves and these identities that keep us trapped in in unhealthy and toxic cycles and um the spiritual warfare it, it infects your soul and it infects your flesh because when you choose and make decisions that don't align with life and god it affects your flesh by the decisions that we make Um, the vices that we reach out to mine was alcoholism Um, to escape you know for someone else it may be something else and it infects your soul because you believe that you you start to believe that you have no choices and that you're trapped inside of all of that turmoil and you believe that you deserve the turmoil in such a, in, in a weird way, and it's a lie and the thing about God is that he honors his people consistently, and the only way to honor someone is by seeing their value and God, our Creator, and Christ, seen and sees our true value. They know our true value. We are the ones that don't. And in not knowing that, we can't honor ourselves and we can't properly choose and decide healthily the things that we should be doing in our lives. It's like we, and again, because the world is not built to teach us and to show us these th- the truth. The truth of evil, the truth of spiritual warfare, the truth of making decisions that don't align with God's word and the consequences of that. These weren't consequences by God as punishment. They were warnings to his children. It was to protect us, to help us here on earth, his instruction, so that we could avoid these turmoils that we face in life. And you know, what honor does, and I heard this from um, my pastor, Pastor Caleb, he said, honor bestows dignity back unto the people because it sees the true value of them which ignites hope will and change and is that not something it is so so true (laughs) it is so so true so you know with all of that to be said um that is my personal testimony it's been take it's taken years, you guys um, i'm thirty one almost now on the twenty second of October and uh, you know from nineteen years old, this whole time it's taken me to heal, overcome, reflect, digest, forgive, come full circle, and the only way that I was truly able to do that was through. Um, Christ and his redemption that he gave me. And um, now moving forward, I want to use my story, um, my testimony to help other women heal, and to hopefully prevent some women from thinking and believing in the societal ideology around abortion and this championing of your life will be better and it actually improves your life because that is a false reality. It's a false reality. And uh, it's a lie, you know? And everybody who stands around and wants to champion it, they are not there through the 5, 10, 15, 20-year journey of you being trapped Inside the turmoil of the choice that you made. You know, um, where's the help then? You know what I mean? It's non existent. Because no one suffers in the same way that you do. Because no one else did it. (laughs) So no one else gets it. So you do. You feel alone. You feel trapped. And I'm here to tell you that you are not. I'm here to tell you that it is a lie. That abortion saves lives. It is quite the opposite. It most definitely takes one life away. If not two. But it is something that we hold with us for the rest of our lives. And we always will. But we carry it differently. We carry it with a different capacity when we have Christ. Because he takes the most of the weight unto himself. So, <clears throat> I apologize for that. But um, yes, that was a lot. That was heavy. But that that is the reality, and I want you know the tr- the truth, not this glossed over championing of the reality of what abortion is and what it does and it is the opposite of life itself it is the opposite of life itself so with all of that um, I I hope you've received you know my personal testimony well. Um, maybe you could have can take something from it and uh yeah you guys you can you can make it through these things. you can overcome these things. they can still pull emotion from you, obviously, right because um You're not a robot. You are human, but they don't have to be chains. These things don't have to be chains on your life or your future um, or your present state. So my heart and prayers are with all of you beautiful women out there, Um, no matter the situation that you've gone through and uh, stay well, stay blessed. Hi.